Brief disclaimer this week, there's some dismemberment, stronger than usual violence, and some darker themes. If you have children listening, you may want to check out the post on mythpodcast.com, linked in the show notes, for more info before listening to this episode. This week on Myths and Legends, we finish up this current run of Monkey King episodes. Monkey sees that retirement might not be all it's cracked up to be, at least when you're spending your time surrounded by smelly monsters, and Pigsy learns that, if at first you don't succeed, cut and run, because you're never going to succeed ever again. The creature this time is a jacked tough guy monster, who just wants to be like the little fairies of the forest. This is Myths and Legends, episode 253B, The Good Guys. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Last week on the show, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, was banished by his master, Xuanzang, the monk, because he kept on killing stuff. The group was immediately thrown into chaos when a monster captured Xuanzang, who escaped with the aid of the monster's wife, a princess who had been captured 13 years prior, Sandy, the 12-foot-tall indigo-faced sand monster, and Pigsy, the pig monster, both disciples of the monk, returned to battle the demon monster and bring the princess home. But Pigsy abandoned Sandy at the last minute, fleeing in terror and allowing the sand man to get captured. The monster then arrived at the kingdom in the form of a handsome man, telling the story about how Xuanzang, the monk, was actually the monster. Then he cast an illusion, where Xuanzang took the form of a tiger demon, leading to the whole room charging the monk with their weapons out. Xuanzang winced as the axe came down on his head. So this was how he died. Killed by a room full of guys who thought he was a tiger demon. Maybe there was a lesson here about assuming the worst in people and summarily executing creatures without giving them a chance to defend themselves. Xuanzang didn't really care about any of that. He was just hoping his next time around had fewer monster attacks than this one. But really, how could it not? He was constantly being attacked. As the axe hit his skull, it bounced off. Xuanzang remained sitting there. Other weapons found him. Spears, swords, clubs. All felt like they were just inflatable, just bonking him on the head. Kind of fun, actually. It is not your fated time, scripture pilgrim. The shining being next to Xuanzang informed him as the tiger illusion around the monk swiped out at the room. Oh, cool. Xuanzang said, still sitting there as blow after blow bounced off his head and chest. He took some more bites of his dinner, then turned to the spirit. Hey, don't suppose you can get me out of here? Xuanzang asked. The light grew brighter. It is not my role to inter... You, you don't have to talk like that, Xuanzang interrupted. It's just us. Oh, okay, cool, the spirit replied. Uh, sorry, I'm just here to keep you from lethal danger before your time, it explained. Then looked to the room. Hey, it said to Xuanzang. You're gonna want to brace yourself here. Xuanzang looked at the men surrounding him. Brace myself? Why? He looked back to the guardian spirit, but it was gone. 
The king yelled out, pointing at Xuanzang. Get him! Pile on now! Xuanzang did indeed brace himself before all the king's men dogpiled on him in the form of a tiger. Yulong, the dragon horse, stood munching on some hay in the stable. He heard muffled screams of his own name. Wait, was that his master? Of everyone, Yulong probably had the best job on the journey. Still got the same redemption deal as everyone else. But instead of fighting monsters and starving, he just had to eat hay and grass and carry Xuanzang. He went to the other side of his stall, to the window that looked out on the rest of the palace compound, and saw a giant tiger bound, looking at him, screaming through his gag in his master's voice. Where are we taking this thing? One guard asked the other. The hotel, so we can set him up in a suite, the other guard replied. Wait, really? No, the dungeon. Seriously, Gary. Think things through before you say them. No one's going to take you seriously until you take yourself seriously and then they dragged the tiger monster with Xuanzang's voice from view. Next up came a demon monster, in the form of a good-looking dude. Huh, that wasn't even powerful magic like Lady Whitebone. This was rookie intro-level monster stuff. That guy still had part of a tail. Well, thank you for bringing in such a dangerous monster, the king said, patting the good-looking guy on the back. Son, the king added with a wink. The monster smiled. Yulong watched as the king led his son-in-law of 13 years to a room. Now, as a way to show his gratitude to the man for capturing the monster and for such a faithful and loving marriage to his daughter, he wanted to present his son-in-law with unlimited wine and a room full of women. Yulong cocked a horse eyebrow. He was a reformed cannibalistic monster himself, and even with his value system, that seemed a bit skewed. As the monster looked on the wine, food, and, yes, women, who were not at all being compelled to be there, tears filled his eyes, and he hugged the king. Papa, welcome to the family, son, the king said. All right, he was going to bed. Don't stay up too late. Or do, wink. The horse grimaced. Ew. Oh, hey, pops, the monster added as the king began walking away. Tomorrow, if it's cool with you, I'd like some alone time with the prisoner. The king nodded. Okay, yeah. Not to eat him, though, the monster in disguise added, so as to not arouse suspicion. Yeah, I mean, that's assumed, I think. We don't eat prisoners here, or anyone. Cool, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I won't eat him, to gain immortality from his monk flesh, monster flesh, the monster corrected, hoping the king wouldn't notice. He didn't. Cool, you said it twice now, so I doubly don't expect you to eat him. Good night, son, the king said, and the monster grinned. <laughs> the king might have been fooled by his expert-level deceptions, but he absolutely was going to eat that monk in the morning. And with the sandman bound in his lair and the pigman fleeing in terror to the forest, there was no one to stand in his way. He was so confident he just said all that out loud. Didn't even matter. He went to the room. Yulong took another bite. No one to stand in his way but Yulong the dragon horse. It was his time to shine. He charged out of the stall, but his horse chest bumped the door. Ah, oh, shoot. 
He looped his head over, and it took him about a good 20 minutes to get the latch, but finally, he managed. Okay, it was Yulong's time to shine. He looked to the building where the monster-in-law was partaking in the king's gifts. It now had guards, but Yulong had to get inside, and he didn't want to hurt anybody but the monster. He heard a scream come up from inside the building, and he had an idea. A few minutes later, the guards saw a figure approach in the darkness. Stop right there. King said no one was to interrupt his son-in-law tonight, no matter what. But there was, like, a scream in there, Yulong observed. The guards said that they guarded a lot of doors for a lot of nobles and heard a lot of screams. They kind of tuned it out by now. Yulong stepped into the light, and the guards' jaws dropped. Yulong was in the form of one of the women he had seen enter that room earlier. Yulong blushed and said that she was late. Would they mind letting her in? The guards parted, and Yulong saw the horror show inside. You see, monsters are gonna monster, and when they let loose, they let loose people's heads from their bodies. The monster had gotten one of the women, while the others stuck to the other side of the great room. Yulong approached the monster, who was chasing human arm with big gulps of wine, and started dancing. like this is kind of like dressage the monster-in-law said as he sat back in minute i don't know 10 or 15 of the dance oh do you want me to stop you long asked the monster shook his head no please he was totally into it as you long did a dance that yeah was more like human dressage than anything else they got closer to the monster you know what would make this dance even more attractive you long asked the monster The monster, dazed, shook his head. Uh, no, but he was kind of excited to find out. A sword, Yulong said, trotting across the room gracefully yet purposefully. The monster said that that wasn't where he thought this was going, but sure. He liked mixing in a little danger with his fun. He unhooked the sword from his belt and handed it to Yulong. Yulong took the sword into their hand, which quickly became claw-like and covered in scales pointed it at the monster, and lunged. Pigsy, riding his cloud back to the castle, went over his speech to his master. He, oh man, he barely escaped with his life. They were overwhelmed. Sandy had been taken captive. He would plead with the king to send his entire army and then lead from the rear because that's what heroes do, and wait, was that Yulong? Pigsy drove his cloud down to the unconscious dragon, beaten bloody with a growing purple spot on his side. Elder brother, elder brother, is that you? He said you fled in shame and terror, Yulong managed. Heroically retreated in bravery, yes, Pigsy corrected. What, what happened to Yulong, the little dragon, as the story now calls him? Yulong said that the monster happened. He was there at the palace. He convinced the king that Master was a monster, and come morning, he was going to eat Master and gain unimaginable powers. Yulong just fought him, but he failed, and he might have a broken leg. Pigsy helped Yulong onto the cloud. He should rest, knowing that 
there was only one thing left for them to do now. They would go to the palace where Master was being held. Yulong smiled. Pigsy, finally, had found his heroism. Pigsy continued, They would go to where Master was being held and get their bags. Wait, Yulong tried to stop Pigsy, but he kept on going. They'd find their boat. They left on the river where they met Sandy. Pigsy could row back to his wife and father-in-law, who definitely didn't move without a forwarding address. He could pick back up with his blissful domestic life, and Yulong could be his dragon horse son. They would all be so happy, and more importantly, not dead. What? Pigsy said when he saw Yulong's look. He said that Yulong fought him too. This guy was unbeatable. What better time to cut and run than when they could still run? But present company excluded. There was nothing for them here. They tried and failed. Everyone fails sometimes, Yulong said. It's what you do when you fail that defines you. Pigsy scoffed. Okay, what inspirational poster did Yulong get that one from? Pigsy, you said it yourself. We can't beat him, Yulong said. Yeah, so we should cut and run. Glad you're seeing it my way, Pigsy said. How much did Yulong think he could carry on his busted leg after the monster left him for dead? A lot? Everything? Pigsy was very lazy. No, Pigsy, Yulong said. We can't beat him. Pigsy replied that that's what he... Oh, no. No, no, no. Pigsy, we have to. No. If we don't, they'll both die, Yulong pleaded, biting Pigsy's shirt. And then, very much regretting biting Pigsy's shirt, he was a humanoid pig. Yulong continued, He and Pigsy would live, but for what? So they could go back to being monsters? So they could keep doing the same things year in, year out, forever? This was their chance to do something different. Be something different. Pigsy said that... He was scared and ashamed. He didn't know why he did the things he did sometimes. Back when Monkey was banished, he was hungry and he wanted to mess with Monkey. He didn't think that Master would banish him. Well, here's where you get to make things right, Yulong replied. And what if he doesn't want to come back, Pigsy asked. The dragon shrugged. That's Then they had done everything they could. Pigsy... Nodded. Okay, all right, he'd do it. He'd go seek Monkey. He would admit he had been wrong. He would say Master was in danger and that Monkey was needed. Oh, no, do not do that. That was a great way for Monkey to get indignant and refuse to return. Say that Master wanted to apologize, stroke his ego a little bit, Yulong said. He said that he believed in doing the right thing, but he also wanted everyone to live. We'll see Pigsy's first meeting with Monkey, but that will be right after this. Pigsy touched down on the Flower Fruit Mountain. Wow, this place was paradise. It was true. In the few weeks Monkey had been back, he had transformed the place from the wasteland it had been in his absence to something beautiful. Fruits grew, monkeys danced and frolicked in the open. Pigsy looked up, wow, double rainbow, nice touch. If this was his home, he wouldn't want to go on a journey to the west either. 
a horn blew, and the little monkeys, who seemed to take no notice of the pig monster who had dropped down using his ears as sails, all started walking toward the mountain. Pigsy followed. He was still scared. And even though it was dawn and his master's hours were numbered, he wanted to play it safe. He put the hood of his cloak up and, as he approached the mountain, slipped into the crowd to see Sun Wukong address his people. Sun Wukong rose from his throne and breathed deep. Ah, another beautiful day on the flower fruit mountain. He turned to the approaching crowd and... Wait, Pigsy? Pigsy froze. Pigsy, what are you doing? Pigsy threw back his hood. How did older brother know it was him? Monkey gestured to the sea of monkeys who only stood like two feet tall. Pigsy was a giant pig monster. Pigsy's shoulders slumped. Oh. A few minutes later, Pigsy sat across from Monkey in Monkey's mountaintop mansion. For Pigsy, this was super weird. It was like seeing a teacher outside of school. So this is Monkey's life. Weird. Monkey cut right to it. Why was Pigsy here? Did Master banish him too? Pigsy's ears swayed as he shook his head. Nope. He was still on the team. He, Master, he wanted Monkey back. He was sorry. No, don't believe it. Monkey said. He swore on heaven the day he banished Monkey. Pigsy said that Master said it was a horrible mistake. This happened recently when Pigsy messed up leading the group. Kind of a lot. Monkey said that did sound true. Then he paused. Looking at Pigsy, Pigsy read the situation and dropped his head. He said that he was sorry too. He was sorry for egging Master on. He was angry about the food and also thought it'd be kind of funny to see Monkey's head go all gourd-like. And it was, but he never thought it would go so far as Monkey getting banished. Monkey stood. He said that getting angry at Pigsy for making selfish, poorly thought out and impulsive choices would be like getting mad at a river for being wet. Pigsy didn't quite follow, so wait, he was a river? I forgive you, Pigsy, Monkey said. Now, did you want to have a montage of them skipping in the fields of the Flower Fruit Mountain hand in hand to the song of So Happy Together? Pixie said they should really get back to Master if Monkey wanted to mend things. Also, he wasn't sure they had the rights to that song. Monkey nodded. Pixie was right about the song. They'd have to find some royalty-free equivalent. Master could wait, though, because, like, he was just on the road yelling at Sandy right now, right? Like Pixie said. <laughs> Pixie chuckled nervously. Yep. Classic master. So they frolicked all around the flower fruit mountain, through fields in bloom, flying through a rainbow sky hand in hand, as the story says. And as the morning sun rose, Pigsy munched nervously on his fruit, brought by Monkey's happy minions. Hey, so they should probably get going, right? He looked to Monkey, but with the snap of his fingers, Monkey was in his swim trunks. Water curtain cave? Let's go to the water curtain cave. Pigsy said he, oh, he wanted to go to the water park, but he couldn't. He had to get back to his quest. Monkey shrugged, cool. Too bad for you then. He nodded to Pigsy. Huh? It was fun while it lasted. Have fun on your quest. 
Big Z stood. Monkey wasn't coming? Monkey laughed. Why would he come? This place, this kingdom, was not under the jurisdiction of heaven or earth. This was his. He was completely free here. Pigsy could deliver a message to the Tang monk, though, Xuanzang. Since he dismissed Monkey, don't ever think of him again. Pigsy was about to protest, but saw the look in Monkey's eyes. It was the last thing that many monsters had seen on their journey west so far. Monkey was serious. Pigsy rose, bowed, and left for Earth. Follow him, Monkey commanded two little monkey lieutenants. With another snap of his fingers, he was out of his swim trunks and in his kingly robes. The monkeys followed, but returned a few minutes later. That was fast. The little monkey said, yeah, the pig didn't make it far. He's basically just in the front lawn screaming obscenities at the palace about how Monkey chose to be a monster, abandoning them in their time of need. Monkey sighed. All right, bring him in. Outside? Pigsy exhaled. You know, maybe he was growing as a person or growing as a pig monster before he would have unleashed that torrent of obscenities right in Monkey's face. Now, though, he was able to wait until he was just outside of Monkey's house. He was growing. Then, he looked up. Something was covering the morning sun. Huh, weird. He didn't think they got clouds on the flower fruit mountain. Then, Pigsy squinted, wait, that's no cloud. He took off in a run, but didn't make it far before a wave of monkeys crashed into him, bound him, and dragged him back to their master. Pigsy, I've been working on my golf game since I've been back. Retirement's awesome, Monkey said to the bound pig monster. After he let his monkey officers cane the pig, he was going to see if he could hit Pigsy with his iron staff back to Xuanzang. Hole-in-one wasn't actually hitting the monk, though. Monkey wanted the monk to live long enough to regret banishing him. He already has, Pigsy said with a sigh. Oh, because you didn't answer him fast enough when he was yelling at you on horseback? No, I mean, really regret it monkey said, checking the wind and lining up his shot. He'll be eaten this morning, Pigsy said. Monkey shrank his staff. Pigsy was to explain everything. Now. So, Pigsy did. He told him all about how someone, and he wasn't pointing hooves, but someone napped and Xuanzang wandered off, got taken, was free, got taken again, and meanwhile, Sandy was captured, Yulong was injured, and Pigsy... Pigsy spent some Pigsy time in the forest. Don't worry about Pigsy. Monkey face-palmed. Pigsy, I know Master didn't want to invoke my name, but why didn't you? Pigsy, in tears, looked up at Monkey from the ground. Don't you think I did that? I was like, don't mess with us. I have an older brother named Sun Wukong who will come split you in half. And that's all the more impressive because he just has a staff. The monster was like, oh, ban horseplay? If he shows up, I'll skin him alive, debone him, and eat his heart before frying him up in oil. What? Monkey spat. I know, right? Just say, fry him up. You don't have to say, fry him up in oil. It's redundant. Monkey said, no, the other part. He fumed. When he conquered the Celestial Palace, everyone bowed to him. 
everyone. And now this monster was talking trash because he thought Monkey wouldn't show up? Well, you're not going to show up, right? Pigsy asked. So the monsters of the world can say whatever they want because Monkey's enjoying himself here in the Flower Fruit Mountain instead of doing what he said he was going to do. Sun Wukong gave his little monkeys a nod, and a flurry of fingers unbound Pigsy. Monkey turned to his minions. He was leaving. He'd be right back. But if he wasn't, they should care for the fruit, water the willow trees, and look after the animals. The monkeys said, but Sun Wukong was going to be right back, right? Sun Wukong smiled. Sure, right back. Sun Wukong told Pigsy to mount a cloud. He would meet the pig there. To rescue Master, Pigsy asked. Monkey shook his head. Not there, not yet. They were going to the monster's cave. You see, even monsters love their children. The two boys... One nine and one eleven were playing field hockey when they heard a thud, and then, hey kids, before Sun Wukong grabbed them by their collars and dragged them a few paces away from the cave door, their little monster babysitter screeched and ran away. Hello, Sun Wukong called out. If you have a moment, I'd like to talk to you about your children's safety. The princess came running out of the cave. If those children were harmed, the monster would have to answer to their father. Sun Wukong laughed. Well, that's kind of what he was hoping for. The woman looked him over. Oh, it was him. The one Sandy had been warning the monsters about. I know the whole story, the Monkey King said. You can say you released him to protect the children. It will save you from the monster's wrath. It's almost over. The princess nodded and rushed inside. Sandy came out with open arms, legitimately grateful to Sun Wukong, but Sun Wukong stepped back. What, hugs? First, Sandy was sand. Sun Wukong didn't like sand. It was coarse and irritating. It got everywhere. Secondly, where was Sandy when Sun Wukong was being tortured and banished? They were brothers, and Sandy just stood there watching. Sandy said Monkey really didn't have to drag him through this. He realized he messed up and he was sorry. Now, the monster had taken a different form and gone to his wife's kingdom. He was going to eat Master. Monkey said that they knew. When Pigsy fled in terror, he stopped by the kingdom. Also, Pigsy and Sandy should talk out their own issues because they needed to be a united front if they were going to beat this guy. Sandy said that he was good. If you expect Pigsy to make terrible decisions, then you're never disappointed. No apology needed, buddy. Pigsy smiled. Well, that was easy. Holding the kids, the half-demon children of the monster and the princess, up by their collars, Monkey called out to the princess, saying that he was borrowing these. Monkey called up two cloud lifts and said that he was staying here. He scouted out a field nearby. When the monster found that his children had been taken and Sandy was free, he would rush back to the cave to demand answers from his wife and minions. Monkey would be waiting for him here. Pigsy and Sandy, though, would take these clouds and go to the palace where the monster was still sleeping it off. They would dangle the children high above the city, right outside the house where the monster had been partying with the women, and they would drop them. Sandy said that they were the good guys, right? Kidnapping and threatening the lives of 
children, that didn't feel like good guy behavior. Monkey said nothing was going to happen to the kids. Their father had super hearing, super speed, strength, flight. He could shapeshift into a feather bed to catch them. The kids would be fine. This was just to draw him out and provoke him. So he was off his game when he came to fight Monkey. They should tell him his wife let them go. And they took the children. That wasn't even lying. Pigsy shrugged, taking his kid. And Sandy, a little trepidatious, but trusting of Monkey's plan, grabbed his own. Monkey looked to the sun. It was mid-morning now. They should get going. We'll see the final battle, but that, once again, will be right after this. You people of the city have been deceived. The people of the kingdom heard about 10.30 a.m. from the pig monster floating on a cloud dangling a child over the stone pavilion. The man you believe to be your prince is really a monster, and these are his children. You all will see his true form right now, Pigsy said, and nodded at Sandy. Monster, show yourself, or your children die, Sandy not really yelled, kind of stated with a lot of hesitation. He still wasn't feeling good about this whole thing. He swallowed hard, held the demon child out, reassured himself that they were the good guys, and let the child go. A few minutes later, he and Pigsy were knocking on the monster's door. Uh, monster? Pigsy and Sandy here. Uh, please wake up. There have been some developments. After a few more minutes of knocking, the door opened. It was the super handsome guy, half in monster form, half in super handsome form. He said he was so sorry. He was super hungover. He overslept. If they didn't mind, he was going to stop by the jail cell and eat that monk and be on his, wait a minute. He squinted, shielding his eyes from the sunlight to see Sandy and Pigsy there. Sandy, who was still supposed to be tied up in his cave. Then his eyes found something else. The remains of Pigsy and Sandy's big threat on the stones. Sandy grimaced. He, hi, they were the good guys. The monster, blinded by tears, launched from that spot, blowing back Sandy and Pigsy and destroying most of the doorway in the process. He was going home. The monster found his cave deserted. The minions, the little monsters, were gone. No blood, no evidence of a battle, nothing. His wife was gone, and what he feared most of all, his kids were gone too. So it was true, they had been killed. Then he listened to a noise on the wind, a weeping. He flew to it. He found his wife, the princess, in the middle of the field, collapsed. 
She said she was sorry. She was so sorry. He overpowered her and took the boys. She did everything she could. Was her husband able to rescue them? The monster hung his head. No, they... They were gone. She threw herself onto his shoulder, and for a long moment, the husband and the not-at-all-consensual wife shared in their grief. The wife said it... It hurt. It hurt so bad. The monster took her by the hand. He had something for that. They went to the cave. Deep inside, the monster closed the door behind them. He said this was something special. It would heal anything. Everything. And he also kept it in the safest place he could think of. The monster then bent over and started retching. It took longer than you'd think it would. I mean, kind of. I can't really throw up on cue. But then again, I'm not keeping an egg of super potion on my person. The monster vomited up a lot. Vomit's never pretty, but given his dinner the night before, it was particularly horrifying. The princess seemed to take it in stride, though. She knew the man she had been forced into marrying. The demon monster wiped the container on his shirt. He held it out. He would like to offer her an egg in this trying time. This would heal everything. The princess took the egg container with a trembling hand. And uh, the this would make her feel better? The monster smiled, so the princess said, so she just put the contents of the egg where she hurt, and it would heal her? The monster said that she only needed to use a little. She inspected the egg a little, huh? And then she smashed it against her head, rubbing the ointment in. Oh, so like, don't do that, then? Oh no, did I just waste all of your healing ointment? The monster began to shake with rage. What had she done? That's what helped him heal after the battle with the two monk disciples the other day. Without it, you know what? He was done. He was done with her, done with this marriage. The children were gone and she had destroyed his elixir. He raised his fist and brought it down on her head, crushing her in an instant. Or tried to. She caught his fist and smiled. Honey, please. The monster, all of his strength pressing down on the woman's hand but going nowhere, was perplexed. What? How is she doing this? I feel like we're not seeing eye to eye on this whole thing, the princess said. And the monster blinked, and it wasn't the princess, but Sun Wukong, the monkey king, holding back his blows. Babe, whoa, you can shapeshift? The monster said, smiling. Wait, are you a monster too? Is this like Shrek? Are you Shreking me? Oh my gosh, this is awesome. This changes everything. We can be husband and wife monsters wrecking havoc on the countryside. So cool. Monkey said no, he, he was Sun Wukong, the monkey king. The monster blinked. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Sun Wukong said that he was the eldest disciple of the scripture pilgrim. The one that the monster had been talking all that trash about behind his back? He was here to make the monster eat those words. I'm sorry, this is the first time hearing of you. You're a monkey king, and you fight. And talk. That's awesome. That, like, checks all the boxes. Dude, are you snarky, too? Sun Wukong said that sometimes... Uh, so this guy had never heard of him. The monster said no. He would absolutely remember that. Monkey grumbled. Uh, Pigsy... Well, it was time to finish this. 
and the monster wouldn't find the monkey as easy as his traveling companions. The monster stepped back, grinning, and said that he imagined he wouldn't. But also, he wasn't alone. He raised his arms, and hundreds of monsters poured from the forests, the hills, everywhere. They had fled when Monkey arrived, but they were back to do the bidding of their master. And they all died. Monkey transformed himself into himself, but with three heads and six arms, and, splitting his own staff into three, lunged at the monsters. The main monster would have been impressed, if he wasn't so horrified, because his little monsters died to a man, or monster. When the battle was over, the real fight began. Unsheathing his scimitars, the monster dove at what he believed to be a weakened monkey king, and the battle began. They fought for 50 rounds, and monkey, monkey was happy about this. He came out of retirement for the right fight. This guy was worth it. Still, though, better to wrap it up. He cast an illusion of himself, and that illusion, in his fatigue, raised his staff above his head to strike and hesitated for just a moment too long. The monster's swords found Monkey's belly, and Monkey, kind of overselling it, yelled out a, Ah, I'm defeated! Right before the real Monkey brought his staff down on the monster's head, and the monster vanished into nothing, Obi-Wan style. Monkey floated there, huh. He was strong, but not vaporizing strong. Monsters didn't really transform into spirits after a mortal blow. I mean, we can all kind of transform into spirits after a mortal blow, but all of us, including monsters, leave a body behind. Monkey paused. Oh, seriously? He knew what was going on here. He somersaulted, and in an instant was knocking on heaven's door. The celestial masters answered, and Monkey pushed past them, saying that he had it on good authority that someone was pulling a Zeus. Monkey paced before the Jade Emperor, the master of heaven. Who hasn't been here? Who hasn't been answering the roll call? The Emperor looked it over. Uh, actually, one hadn't. Only one. Ravati, the Wood Wolf star. A nervous laugh erupted from the crowd. What? I've been here the whole time. He was dragged to the front, and people had to hold Monkey back. The Emperor said Ravati had been gone for 13 days. 13 years on Earth. Monkey shook his head. 13 years. The authorities demanded answers. Why would this celestial being abandon the beauty and pleasures of heaven to abscond to the earth? Well, turned out it was a Zeus. He was pulling a Zeus. Ravati hung his head. Go on, tell them, Monkey said. Ravati sighed. She was one of the jade girls in charge of the incense in one of the halls, up here in heaven. They had been in love once, and she transformed herself into a human so that their love would not defile the celestial palace. Little did she know, I guess, that you forget everything when you're born. So he transformed into a demon and kidnapped her so they could live as husband and wife. Aww, the people said. Monkey said, no, that's, 
she didn't want to marry you. You kidnapped her for like a long time. Ravadi held up a sense. He said he knew Sun Wukong was fated to defeat him. So what was the harm? You kidnapped a woman and forced her into marriage and ate a lot of people. So you could find the motivation to continue on your redemption quest, Ravadi said with a smile. Monkey said that this, this was horrible. The Jade Emperor agreed. It was. Ravadi was stripped of his rank. For now. He had to be the fire tender for another celestial. But when that was completed, he could be restored. Monkey rolled his eyes. Oh, cool. Okay. So like a slap on the wrist then. So fair. This was... Ugh. He was leaving. He backflipped down to the earth. A celestial guard ran up. Monkey left without bowing. Should they drag him back and make him bow? The emperor waved his hand. Anytime Monkey leaves the heavens without destroying the place, that's a win. Monkey arrived back at the house where he met up with Pigsy and Sandy, who, oh man, they saw the battle and they were so excited to join, but it ended right when they got there. Bummer. They definitely weren't hiding in monster corpses waiting to see how things played out. They took the princess back home, where Monkey was lauded by the kingdom. There was one more thing that had to be done, though. Monkey, Pigsy, Sandy, and Yulong stood before the jail cell where the snarling, demonic tiger paced. That's what all of them but Monkey saw. Monkey saw Xuanzang, really bored, walking back and forth. Xuanzang could now only speak in snarls, but Monkey smiled. Well, 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 who's the monster now? Spoiler, it was the monk who was actually a monster and not the guy who saved everybody. Monkey, please, both Pigsy and Sandy pleaded. He needed help and... Monkey was the only being that could do it. Monkey sighed. Sure, get him some water. Monkey recited the spell, which ended, of course, with Monkey spitting the water in Xuanzang's face. Xuanzang, dripping wet with monkey spit, found that he and everyone else could see his true form now. He looked to Monkey, standing in front of the open jail cell door, and hugged the creature. He said, worthy disciple, I owe you everything. Monkey told him not to mention it, hugging Xuanzang back. Just maybe don't also mention the spell that tightens his head and they'd be good. He took out the paper that Xuanzang had written, the one banishing him, and tore it in half. Xuanzang smiled, threw his arms around his disciples, and they all started walking out of the jail. They better get back on the road. The journey to the west was still a long and dangerous one. Pigsy oinked, you long neighed, and Sandy said, wait, we're not gonna address how we dropped children from the clouds? Sun Wukong said that they were half-demon children. Apparently that doesn't even count. Xuanzang agreed and told Sandy to chill out. They had all been through a lot. Sandy nodded, uh, okay, right? They were still the good guys though, right? Yeah, he reassured himself before catching back up with the group. They were the good guys. Mm-hmm.
that's where we're going to leave it this time. The status quo restored. The story, unfortunately, does not address what the mother thought of her children being dropped from the clouds. And Yulong, despite his probably problematic depiction of someone switching genders to do harm, goes back to being just their horse. When we catch up with this group later on this year, they will be, once again, back on the road. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of an oversized wearable blanket in the form of a hoodie, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show that won't make you look like you were just hit with a shrink ray. For more info on the membership, check out mythpodcast.com slash membership. The creature this week is the Fakon from Scottish folklore. From the West Highlands of Scotland, the Fakon, F-A-C-H-A-N, has all the answers in that its solution to everything is to hit it with a spiked club. Gardening, spiked club. House cleaning, spiked club. Deep-seated bitterness regarding your birth, life, and general purpose in the world, spiked club. The Fakon is deeply angry about everything. Said to be so horrifying to look at that merely seeing one might give you a heart attack, the Fakon probably doesn't have much in the way of friends. The creature is deeply bitter, that it only has one of everything many people have two of. Eyes, ears, and legs. Notice I didn't say arms, because it does have a second arm, but it's a withered one that protrudes directly out of the center of the creature's chest, really undercutting its tough guy persona and making it difficult to get shirts off the rack. It's said to be very jealous of fairies because they can fly, who isn't though, so it tries to make up for it by being an expert leaper. Though one source I found said that the creature is not nearly as agile or as graceful as your average person, which probably means that they end up tumbling down the Scottish Highlands and just getting angrier and angrier. You can spot their house by all the crushed things, animals and people don't go by if they can help it, and the creature will go so far as to destroy plants, rocks, everything. They also hate orchards and can destroy a whole one in a single night. It's thought to be a misremembered, legendary take on ancient Celtic seers who, when doing a ritual, would stand on one leg, close one eye, and extend one arm. Regardless of where it came from, it really needs to figure out some better ways of working through its anger. Maybe some meditation or breathing exercises. Kind of hard to hit those with the spiked club. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. The theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.